Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you've heard. For more resources like this, check out trptampa.com. We're in the middle of this amazing series called Mission. And it's all about the mission of the resting place. It's talking about the need for and the nature of this mission. And how many of you here were last week for the lost to be found? That part, part one, it was good. More of you were here, but it's okay. Only a few raise your hands. How many of you will raise your hand for nothing today? Anybody? Oh, okay. Yeah, I got you. I got you. <laughs> I got you. Anyway, it was really good, if I do say so myself. The Lord spoke clearly. If you didn't catch it, it's online. And... I love how the strategy of God works. Like, I didn't plan a series around the love reach, you know, or outreach thing. It just kind of all happened. On Sunday, I realized, I didn't even say it in the first gathering. Like, hey, yeah, and we have a love reach on Saturday. I didn't even, because I didn't even realize it until the middle of the day. I'm like, oh, I'm preaching on the lost to be found. And, oh, we have an outreach on Saturday. Hey, maybe I should talk about that. It's just the strategy of God putting the pieces together. It's really cool. Can't, can't make it up. It's awesome. Like I said, I just got back from a conference, and I just want to share a couple amazing testimonies. Is that okay? Uh, just of healing of the power of God. Uh, I was in the room, uh, and we were releasing words of knowledge uh, at an afternoon session. We were with Georgian Banoff, Winnie Banoff, Heidi Baker, David Hogan, um, Patricia King, some intense people. Yeah, she apparently knows who David Hogan is because she's like, ah, he's intense. Anyway, um, guys raised like 57 people from the dead. Uh, with the right hand. He didn't tell us how many with his left hand. He said, with this hand. I'm like, how many with that hand? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so uh, anyway, one lady, we were praying, and somebody called out a word of knowledge for eye issues, and this lady came down for that, got prayer. She came up on stage and testified that she walked in the room with, she had already a detached retina, and she was blind, like 50% blind in one eye, and the retina reattached, and she could see perfectly in the room, like... She came up and testified to that. That was, I was like, I've got the microphone. I'm like, wait, say it again. <laughs> you came, you, you can see now out of that eye. She's like, yeah, my retina must have reattached. I have a detached retina, but not anymore. And anyway, that was awesome. I don't know about you, but that stuff gets me excited. <laughs> That's cool. You know, there were other stuff. Uh, tumors, visible tumors under the skin disappeared on this one lady. Just I know, you don't believe me, it's okay. But there was skin and there was a lump and then the lump went away. And there was just skin flat where the lump was. That's, uh-huh. No big deal. Not exciting at all. Come on, that's amazing. Come on, that's the healing power of Jesus. I know it's the first gathering. I know you're sleepy, it's okay. Still be, you can be excited and sleepy at the same time. I'm sleepy too. It's good. So, yeah, there was stuff like that happening all week. It was amazing. I was leading worship for one session, and I totally lost the room at one point. I almost, I came out of it and felt bad. I was playing, and I stopped singing. I just started playing. I think I played for like three minutes without singing anything, and they're just standing there like staring at me like, this is good, you know? I'm just like, I lost the room. I, I like, I don't know. I don't know if I went somewhere else or what. I just lost where I was, but kept playing, thankfully. You know, I didn't just stand there. But, yeah, there's a lot of amazing things that happened. So I was so blessed to be there. Glad to be there. I'm glad to be home. I love Tampa. All I did was talk about you. That's all I did was talk about my people in Tampa and how much I love them and inviting everyone to come, you know, see what Tampa's all about. 
But today I want to continue in the series, our mission, we said it, uh, Sandy said it at the beginning, our, the mission of the resting place, the entity of the resting place exists as a whole for, help me, the lost to be found, for the found to be free and peace to reign in our city. I am doing my job because you know the mission of our house. So I, I, asked, I asked people, I asked them, hey, what's the mission of your church? They're like, oh, you know, Jesus. Like, okay, good. Good. That's a good mission. Anyway, we want to be strategic. Come on. It says, you know, you should be shrewd as serpents, as gentle as doves, right? We need to be discerning. The days are evil. We need to redeem the time. Amen. Come on. I ain't got no time to mess around and have a big question mark on like, why are we here? <laughs> like, we need to take that question mark away. Hang around me long enough. You're going to know why I do what I do. That's, I'm a why guy, all right? My generation is a why generation. Why do we do this? You know, why are we here? Give me a good reason, all right? And it's not to get all of you in this room. Sorry. It's not for you to be here. I'm actually not here for you. You're going to be okay, I promise. And my new people are going to be okay. You're going to be all right. I'm not here for you. We're not here for the lost. We're not here for the found. We're here for Jesus because when we celebrate Jesus, he does all the finding and the equipping. Amen? Come on. This, I'm talking about the gathering now. We gather today to host the presence of God and encounter Jesus together. Okay? I'm giving you that distinction because our mission as a whole is for the lost to be found, the found to be free, peace to reign. But that's not why we gather. We gather for a, different, for a specific reason that contributes to the mission. Are you following me? Like City Lights, Monday nights, they have a mission, that, they have a, their own why that contributes to the mission. G220 has its own why that contributes to the mission. Vanguard Collective has its own why that contributes to the mission. First Friday Worship has its own mission, contribute, you know, contributes to the overall mission. Are you following me? So that's why we're not necessarily doing everything you might want us to do in here today. <laughs> okay, maybe that, you know... You might want us to always say, does anyone want to receive Jesus today? Raise your hand. You might want that. But listen, the, our mission in general is for the lost to be found. Why we gather is to host the presence of God. And when the presence of God says, hey, ask them to raise their hands if they want to receive Jesus, we do it. But not before and not after. We do what he's doing. We say what he's saying. I don't default. There's no defaulting in the kingdom. Any system you put above the Holy Spirit is pure evil. Any system you put above the Holy Spirit is pure evil. Listen, we have systems, all right? I got to end by a certain time so that our kids' workers can be honored, you know, so that they can actually come into the gathering for the second one and encounter Jesus as well. They're working hard over there. We got to clear the parking lot. I get all that. But those systems are totally in submission to the Holy Ghost at all times. When I was wrestling with, should we go to two gatherings because it was like, oh, you know, I don't want to get in a box or whatever. The Lord said to me, I told you guys this, I think. The Lord said to me, hey, Caleb, don't worry. I'll break it when I want to. <laughs> and I said, when you want to? He said, yes. I'll break it when I want to. Not break it if I want to. I'll break it when I want to. I said, yes, Lord. Here we are. So it's working out because this is what God is doing right now in us. Amen. I would love one big gathering that we just kind of like have a soft close. People can leave. People can stay and just get wrecked for the next four hours. I would love that. And one day, maybe that's what God will be doing. But that's not what God is doing today. 
you got to get with me on this, man. Jesus only did what the Father was doing and said what the Father was saying. John 5.19, where you at? I need a John 5.19 generation who is sold out to the idea that if God's not doing it, I'm not doing it. I don't care who tells me it's a good idea. If God's not doing it, I'm not doing it. If God is doing it, I don't care who tells me it's a bad idea. I am doing it. How do you think Jesus healed everyone who came to him? Did you know that no one didn't get healed who came to Jesus? Everyone who came to Jesus got healed. Did you know that? He healed all who came to him. Did you know that? Okay, you look a little unsure. You know how? Because he always did what the Father was doing. He said what the Father was saying. He didn't default. He didn't go, oh, blind eyes? This worked last time. Let me spit in the mud. Nope. Yeah, you're grossed out. It's okay. He didn't, he barely did a miracle the same way twice. Why? Because he was in total submission to the Holy Spirit, total submission to the Father. The Father has all the good ideas. Let's do that. Amen? All right. I feel a little better now. Just felt good to say all that. None of that is what I'm preaching on necessarily. But it felt good. It's about being strategic. That's what I'm saying. We're being strategic. Our mission is strategic. God gave it to us. We didn't find our mission on a bumper sticker. We didn't find our mission in a church manual. I'm sorry. I'm not hating on anybody who did that. Love you. Bless you. God can breathe on those things. We've, I've, the Lord downloaded it to me while I was praying for Tampa. I was at a pastor's meeting, and I'm praying for Tampa. It was at Tampa House of Prayer. We're praying for the churches in Tampa, and it came out of my mouth. I heard it hit my ears before I heard it in my mind. Do you know, has anyone experienced that? You know, you hear something for the first time off of your tongue. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't become a thought, and then a, I'm sure scientifically maybe it does, but subconscious, I don't know. It just came out of my mouth, and I heard it in my ears, and I'm like, oh, my Lord, that's it. I was praying for Tampa, and I said, Lord, let the lost be found. Let the found be free. Let peace reign in our city. And I was like, write that down, somebody. <laughs> Seriously. I interrupted my own prayer, and I'm like praying while typing it into my phone. I'm like, this, it, that is it. I found it. Same thing with our core values, same thing. It's all via the Holy Ghost. Amen? You might not like it. I don't care. <laughs> Scott likes it. He said, I like it. <laughs> yes. Why do I not care? Because it's the kingdom coming. It's not your kingdom. It's not my kingdom. It's his kingdom. And it's his way. He gets to decide how his kingdom comes. Amen? Oh, come on. Who gets to decide how God's kingdom come? You or God? His, he gets to decide. Amen? Amen. So if I just put this mic down and I say, hey, let's all pray for the next 25 minutes. Because I feel the Holy Spirit saying to do that, I'm going to do it. And you're going to feel awkward. And I don't care. So I'm not putting on a show for anybody. I'm not trying. Oh, no, they might not come back. If me following the Holy Ghost makes you not come back, good riddance. It's okay. Jesus was always trying to thin the herd. He wanted the real sold-out believers I'm not playing around, guys. I'm not playing church. I'm done with churchianity. And it's hard to talk about this without sounding like hypercritical of other churches. I love the church. I love the bride. I'm not being hypercritical of other churches. I'm telling you what God has shown me, and I'm trying to explain to you and communicate how serious I am about it. Okay? That's what I'm trying to do. I love the bride. I'm not a bride basher. I don't like church a lot of times, but I love the bride. All right. It's good. It is good. 
So let's, let's go to the notes on the iPad and get out of trouble here. How about that? <laughs> ah, yeah, I want the real thing, guys. I want the real thing. Our mission, lost, found, found free. That's what I'm talking about today. The found are meant to be free. How many know just because you love Jesus and follow Jesus don't mean you're not bound up by stuff? If you think that there's not a release of freedom, if you don't think that there's, you need freedom from something, I would probably call you ignorant without looking at your life, without even trying. Like, you know what? There's probably some area of your life where you're walking in deception. You know how I know? You don't know when you're deceived. That's the nature of being deceived. Come on. I could be deceived in many ways. I can't tell you how, the ways I might be deceived in because that's the nature of deception. You don't know you're deceived. I need friends and family, accountability, my team to say, Caleb, you are deceived. And I go, what? Okay. Where? How? Tell me. Show me in the Word. Amen? Amen. Y'all, this is going to be a great day. I love it. This is going to be so good. I feel, listen, whenever there's like this, I know something's on the other side of that. It's going to be good. You got no idea. I'm going to knock that door down. I'm going to kick all your religious demons out. It's going to be good. Yeah, you didn't like that either. That's okay. Today, I want the found to be free. I want freedom to be released. Let me, let me quote uh, a favorite commentator of mine, a favorite theologian of mine. He was a Methodist, spirit-filled Methodist guy named Adam Clark. Okay? And he said this. And this is sort of a paraphrase because he spoke in really old English and it wouldn't make sense to you. But it, the gist of it is this. If you are waiting until death to be set free from sin, then you have crowned death your Savior and not the Son of God. If you're waiting till you die, till you go to heaven, what is that anyway? You're already seated in heavenly places. Later I'm going home. I'm not there now. So for me to say I'm going to heaven is to say I'm not there yet. It's a statement of unbelief. Sorry. Oh man, I'm in so much trouble. I might just need to sit over here and just, just, let's just be nice for a minute. Let's just let it simmer. <laughs> I really do love you. I'm trying to help you. It says, Ephesians 2 says, he raised us up with him and seated, him, seated us with him in heavenly places. You're already in heavenly places. What you see in part now, you'll see in full. And what is imperfect now will be made perfect when the perfect comes, 1 Corinthians 14. I know. I know what the Bible says. When that which is perfect comes means the wholeness, the fullness of it. It even says there is a salvation yet to be revealed in Thessalonians. So I understand this thing is an unveiling. It's an unfolding. But you are already seated in heavenly places according to your Bible. Not just my Bible. Your Bible says it. You got a copy. You should read it. It's good. <laughs> Bestseller, least read book in, of all time. Bestseller, but least read, yeah. Adam Clark, if you're waiting until death to be set free from sin, then you've come death your Savior and not the Son of God himself, not Christ himself. Not okay with me. Listen, here's the need, because we're talking about the need for the mission and the nature of it, okay? So here's the need for the found to be free. It's actually not even about you. What? It's your, listen, you need to get this today, okay? Your freedom is not about you. Your freedom is actually not about you. Yes, you are the one that's going to get free today in Jesus' name. But it's not about you. <laughs> Your freedom actually 
gives honor where it's due. Your freedom is about displaying the majesty of Jesus Christ on the planet Earth. You being free expresses the gospel. You being free expresses the victory of Christ. He leads you in his victory. He gives you his victory. You're not becoming victorious. You're following in his triumphant victory as a captive, it says. We always are led in triumphant victory as captives, spreading the aroma of God everywhere we go. That's what it says. Your freedom isn't about you. It's about exalting Jesus. So listen, here's, here's the implication there. If you say, I, I'm never going to be totally free, you're saying, I'm never going to totally exalt Jesus. You're saying, Jesus isn't going to get his full reward in my life. Not okay. Here's what's happened. By, without knowing it, no one would say this outright, but without knowing it, we have actually made, given more credence and give in our thoughts more potency to the fall of Adam than to the rise of Christ. That's what's happened. We've ta been taught into that. Here's my statement. I refuse to elevate the fall of man above the risen Christ. I refuse to elevate the fall of Adam above the risen Christ. He has risen. He outdid, undid, overdid, and redid everything Adam did. Okay, all the doo-doo, he did it. All right, it's over. He did it. It is finished. And now we started his finish line. And your freedom expresses the finality of his work. And for you to say, oh, I'm always going to struggle, say, well, I'm not going to be able to express that God is good. I'm not going to be able to express the mercy of God. I'm not going to be fully able to express that Jesus has won every victory. Not okay. That elevates the fall of Adam. If you think, because you live in a fallen world, that you have a fallen state in Christ, you have elevated, you've made, let me say it this way, you have made Adam's fall of more effect than the last Adam's rise. In your thinking, you have made the fall of Adam more, it affects you greater than the risen God-man who went into the grave, defeated hell in the grave, and came out and raised you with him. God was in Christ, the fullness of the deity in Christ. God died. Guys, you need to get with me on this. You need to get with me. All right, this is what's going to make you free right here. The revelation that Christ has done it all. That it is the finished work of the living Christ. It's the finished work of the living Christ. He's living right now. He's in your chair. The whole fullness of God fills you if you're in him. But we're so deceived. We're so blinded. We see our actions and say, the actions of this man are more potent than the actions of that man. Oh, that's the sound of conviction right there. I just felt that in my ears ringing. You think your actions are more effective on you and define you more than Jesus' actions. It's okay. You can repent at any time. Just, just blink your eyes. There it goes. Repent. Let me show you this. Let me show it to you in the scriptures. Okay, we're going to read a little bit out of my favorite chapter of the Bible, Romans 6. It's going to be good. Here's the deal. Before Jesus, you were actually enslaved. You were a slave to sin. Say a slave. Everyone who's still lost right now, who's not said yes to Jesus, who's not put their faith in Jesus, I have to tell you, the truth of it is, they are enslaved to sin. 
They're being trafficked by sin. That's the language Paul uses in Romans 7, verse 14. He says, I am of the flesh, sold under sin. He's talking about trying to do righteous works under the law. And that situation looks like someone under the slavery of sin. Okay? Don't tell me Romans 7 is Paul's uh, situation. If you don't know the word prosopopoeia, then don't talk to me about that. Sorry. Uh, I'm getting vanguard on him now. I'm sorry. It just jumped out at me. Prosopopoeia is a Greek literal, it's a literary device where someone talks about someone who has already passed, someone who is already there, or not there anymore, and it's speaking on behalf of them in the first person. It's a very well-known Greek literary device that Paul used all the time. It's all throughout the Old Testament. Prosopopoeia, look it up. That is the Roman seven man. You are not the Roman seven man. You are not of the flesh sold under sin. I do not do the thing that I want to do. The thing that I want to do, I cannot do because I do not have the strength to do it. Do, 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 do. All about you and the doo-doo. Prosopopoeia. Google it. Anyway, all right. Caleb, help yourself. Don't worry. Second gathering will be cleaner and better. It's fine. You guys get the raw on live streamed. I get it out of my system, you know. Anyway, just come back for the second one. It'll be nicer. It's good. Whatever. All right. You were trafficked. You were enslaved. The, the law of the spirit of death was your law. It ruled you like a taskmaster, okay? It's the truth. It's the truth. But Jesus came to set you free from that enslavement. All right, Romans 6, verse 6. This is the sixth chapter of the New Testament, or sixth book, sorry, of the New Testament. Sixth chapter, sixth verse. Did you hear that? Sixth book of the New Testament. Nothing is on accident, by the way, in your Bibles. What's six a number of? Yes, man, oh man, oh man. Romans 6, verse 6 in the English Standard Version. We know. Paul's obviously talking about him and someone else. At least it's Paul and one other person because there's we, right? He didn't say, I know. He said, we know. Paul had a buddy who also knew this, all right? <laughs> Maybe you can be Paul's buddy today. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that what's crucified with him is co-crucified, crucified in union with Christ, meaning not you were not on your own cross. You don't get your own cross. Sorry, I'm going to take your cross. I'm going to take it. You don't get your own. It says crucified jointly in union with him. In union with him. You and Jesus are not like this. Look at me. You and Jesus are not like this. You and Jesus are like this. He prayed it would happen in John 17, and Jesus' prayers get answered. Old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. Now, I looked up that word, nothing. You know what it means? No thing. Nothing. In the Greek, in the Aramaic, in the Hebrew, all of it, it still means nothing. Uh, might be destroyed, some translations say. So that, here's the so that. So that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. You need to get this. Sin is not just an action you do. The church has preached that sin means to miss the what? Yeah, to miss the mark. They preached it as a verb. Did you know sin is used? I say this all the time. Forgive me for repeating myself, but good teachers. Sin is used 17 times in Romans 6 alone, okay? 16 times it is a noun. Once it's a verb. Once. Say once. What is a verb? 
action, something you do. What is a noun? A person, place, or thing. You would no longer be enslaved to the person of sin. The thing of sin. The place called sin. You used to live in one, two, three sinful way. All right? That's where, that was your address. And then God evicted you. Hallelujah. Listen to it in the Passion Translation. Same verse. Could it be any clearer? <laughs> That our former identity is now and forever deprived of its power. Come on, there's got to be belief in the scriptures once again. For we were co-crucified with him to dismantle the stronghold of sin within us. There was a stronghold within you and he dismantled it by killing you. You can't counsel the old man, you got to kill him. And guess what? You don't get to play the part in killing him. You don't get that job because if you got that job, you'd get some credit for doing a good job. And all honor and glory and power would not be unto his name. It'd be to yours. Did you hear what I just said? You don't get a part in crucifying you. Mm, let's do this very quick. I'm going to do this very, quick, very quickly. I saw George and Bandoff do this. Perfect. If you think you need to crucify you, let me in on a little secret. Let me let you in, okay? It's impossible for you to crucify you. Here we go. Nail in the feet, right? All right, those are in there. Doing good. I prayed, I fasted, here we are. All right, I got to pick a hand. Okay. All right, almost there. Doing great. I even went to a few worship nights. I, I went and I saw Bethel live. Oh, I'm really dying now. They slayed me. Ooh. Uh, okay, now I got one more to go. Uh-oh. Uh it's not going in. I don't know what to tell you. Selah. Could it be any clearer that our former identity is now and forever deprived of its power? For we were co-crucified with him to dismantle the stronghold of sin within us. So that we would not continue to live one moment longer submitted to sin's power. Man. You have permission. I'm giving you permission. The Bible is giving you permission to not live one moment longer submitted to sin's power. This is not mental ascension or like me like trying to hype you into it. It's the truth of the gospel. This is what Jesus accomplished for you. You don't have to live one moment longer submitted to sin's power. But you, I'm, I've got to say it like 500 times because you've been taught your whole church life that you're going to sin in thought, word, and deed, right? Anybody been told that? Anybody told? I was told growing up I'm going to sin nine times before 9 a.m. Monday morning. <sighs> I was taught that stuff, man. You might have been taught something similar. It's not in the Bible. The opposite's in the Bible. You know what I call something that says opposite of the word? You know what I call that? It's opposite of Jesus because Jesus is the word. I call it an antichrist teaching. You need to leave your antichrist thinking in your chair. We'll, we'll clean it up. We'll take care of it later. You just leave it right there. We'll take care of it. <laughs> Again, Amplified Classic Bible. It says, we know that our old unrenewed self, being specific, your unrenewed self, hello, was nailed to the cross with him in order that our body, which is the instrument of sin, might be made ineffective and inactive for evil. 
Did you know that you're really bad at evil? Did you know you're ineffective at doing evil? You're not good at it. Did you know that? Oh, no, you knew the opposite. I know some antichrist spoke to you. Some antichrist spirit spoke to you and convinced you of the opposite. I'm going to convince you of the truth. You're ineffective. You're bad at it. You're a really bad sinner. Some of you heard that. That's okay. He who has ears, he hears. You're really bad at sinning. It don't work. It no worky. You feel terrible after. The last time you sinned and liked it was before Jesus, I promise. Like last time it didn't bother you. Now, there is a seared conscience that the Bible talks about. You sin once, it's easier to sin again. It's easier and easier and easier and easier. And it starts to dull your senses. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying the last time it was natural for you was B.C., before Christ, all right? The last time it was natural for you, all right? Yeah, I, heard, I hear a lot of Christians saying, oh, yeah, I sin all the time. But no one's saying, I love to sin. You following me? Because it just wouldn't make any sense. Okay. I love to disobey God. But they do say, I try to obey God, but I can't. It's no longer I, but sin that dwells in me, is what it says in Romans 7, prosopopoeia. Romans 7, it says, it's no longer I, but sin. I'm sorry, I thought it was no longer I, but Christ who lives in me. Paul is either bipolar, or that, those are not the words of the person of Paul. He's speaking on behalf of another. It's a literary device. Stop saying you're the Roman seven man. Stop saying Paul struggled, so I'm going to. Stop it. Paul wasn't talking about Paul. He's talking about a man, somebody, might have been him before Christ, under the law, who's no longer here anymore. Are you following me? Okay. It's okay. Listen, if I had my way, and it wasn't like doing what God is doing, it was just what Caleb was doing, I would preach this message every week until this stuff came out of my mouth and you took a Pentecostal lap in celebration. That's what I would do. I would preach this every single week. But thank God, you know, submitted to the Holy Ghost. Or you just get really bored or really free, I don't know, and maybe I might preach it next week depending on how, what the fruit is here. All right, so that's the need for because you were enslaved. The people around you are enslaved to sin, all right? You going around telling someone that they're a dirty, wretched sinner, blah, 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 doesn't help. You go and tell them, hey, you're being trafficked, man. Somebody else is pulling your strings, dude. You don't like that you're mean to your wife. You don't like it. Hello? Hello? All right. Here's the nature of the found getting free. It's how we change the way we think, you know. Tried and true verses. We are transformed by the renewing of our. You know what that means, right? It means change just thinking, thinking. The change the way you think about you. Let me help you. That word transformed by the renewing of your mind, Romans 12, 2, or 1 and 2. It's 12, 2. That word transformed is actually the same word when Jesus went up on the mountain, Matthew 17. You remember the story? And he was transfigured. It's we're transfigured by the renewing of our mind. Now, let me help you. Was Jesus all of a sudden made glorious on the mountain? Like he wasn't glorious and then he became glorious? Like he started unglorious and then became glorious in front of them? Is that what transfigured means? No. Was he revealed as glorious? Hello. We're transfigured by changing the way we think. 
It unlocks the door. It opens the way. It get, opens the gate for you to actually be who you really are. That's why I say to my team, I say to everybody that I meet, if you ever sin again, it would be so unlike you. Mm -hmm. And I get called a heretic for that. But whatever, I don't care. It would be so unlike you. Your real life is hidden in Christ. I know. Tampa needs this message. I'm just going to keep saying it. We've got to change the way we think. Listen to this. This is Steve Backlund, great uh, preacher, super happy guy. I don't trust a non-joyful preacher. Just saying. <laughs> Missing at least a third of the kingdom. Righteousness, peace, and joy. If you don't have joy, I really don't like listening. <laughs> uh-huh. He said, really happy guy. This is so good. We get saved by believing in Jesus, but we get free by believing like Jesus. We get saved by believing in Jesus, but we get free by believing like Jesus. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. <gasps> imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's the one way that Paul said it, right? Come on. <laughs> this is the, in Romans 6, that same type of concept, changing the way you think. Romans 6, 9 through 11. This is for all you must die daily, people. This is for you're killing your flesh daily, people. Let me ruin your theology really quickly. Are you ready? Let the Bible ruin your theology for crying out loud. Jesus. We should get our theology from the Bible. Not from Plato, which is what you believe in. Dualism, Neoplatonism, yin and yang. That's what's infiltrated the church. Half bad, half good. Darkness and light do dwell with one another. What fellowship does light have with darkness? A whole bunch, according to the Western church. Hallelujah. I'm having fun. I'm good. I'm good. Just me. I'm good. <laughs> Romans 6, 9 through 11. It says, we know, again, Paul has a friend. Thank God Paul has a friend. I want a few friends. We know, <laughs> we know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. Amen? For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. Say once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Did you hear that? Christ died never to die again. Died to sin never to die again. Now he lives to God, the King James says, forevermore. Amen? Amen? He's not, like in a, he's not struggling with sin in heaven. Hello? He's not, like, trying to defeat the flesh in heaven. Hello? The death he died, he died to sin once for all. The life he lives, he lives to God forevermore. So you also must. That's a command of Scripture. If you think of you as a sinner, you are being disobedient to the Scriptures. If you think of you as half bad, half good, you are being disobedient to the command of the Lord. Don't disobey for another moment longer. Change the way you think. It will transfigure you. We'll see the real you come out. So you also must say must. You must consider yourself. That's a command. You must consider yourself. Consider. What does consider mean? Think about. Think about yourself this way. Dead to sin, alive to God. Just like Jesus is dead to sin, alive to God. Hallelujah. 
Let's hear it in the Passion Translation, multiple translations. We know that since the anointed one has been raised from the dead to die no more, his resurrection life has vanquished death. Come on. And its power over him is finished. For by his sacrifice, he died to sin's power once and for all. Say it again. Come on. Oh, say it like you drink a Red Bull. Help me once and for all. But he now can, lives continuously for the Father's pleasure. So let it be the same with you. Since you are now joined with him, you must continually view yourselves as dead and unresponsive to sin's appeal while living daily for God's pleasure in union with Jesus, the anointed one. All right, temptation is a real thing. Temptation is going to come. You know what you do? You play dead. <laughs> temptation. Oh, you want to go, you want to cuss them out right now. dead and unresponsive to sin. Just practice laying dead. Just practice. Just maybe come up here some Sunday and just during worship, just practice. Laying. We'll even make a little tape outline if you really want. You know what I mean? Just practice laying dead. That way you know when temptation comes knocking, you just don't respond. It knocks on the door. You're like, not only is no one here, I'm dead. <laughs> That's an act of faith. You understand? It's an act of faith to respond or not, right, to not respond. Respond as though dead, as in don't respond. Amen. While living daily for God's pleasure and union with Jesus, you're in union with Jesus right now. Adam Clark also said this, the life of the believer does not end in union, it begins there. The life of the believer does not end in union when you go to heaven. It starts there. It's a good word. Last translation, here we go, same verse, well, 10 through 11 in Romans 6, Amplified Classic, translated by a woman, by the way. Come on, ladies, where are you at? It's translated by a woman. Oh, didn't like that either. It's okay. <laughs> by the death he died, for by the death he died, he died to sin, ending his relation to it. Come on, somebody. Sin's no longer your relative. Sin's no longer your friend. You have ended your relation to it, just as he's ended his relation to it. Well, why do I keep sinning? Because you don't believe you've ended your relation to it. First John 3, read First John 3 and tell me that you, it's okay for you to keep sinning. It says, he who continually practices sin is, has neither seen him or known him. No one born of righteousness is able to continue practicing sin. Well, why do I keep sinning? It's called a habit. You can break it through believing the, the truth. The truth will actually set you free. People teach you things, they call it true, and it leads you into bondage. Not the truth, because the truth will always set you free. That's the tell. I'm more free now. Okay, that must have been the truth. I'm more bound up now. That wasn't the truth. That's the tell. So we'll see what happens. Listen, we taught this, we teach this at Vanguard for nine months. I can tell you, my Vanguard graduates, they can tell you. The second year students now, they can tell you, this is the truth. It has set them free. I, pastors have told me, who called me crazy at first, have told me, I am actually way more free than I've ever been because I just started considering it might be true. It just happened. I woke up one day more free. That's called the truth setting you free. It's really easy. All you have to do is agree. Yes, that's the truth. 
Amen. Ending his relation to it once for all. And the life that he lives, he is living to God in, say this with me, unbroken fellowship with him. Say that. In unbroken fellowship with him. What are we supposed to consider ourselves? The same way, same thing that's saying. You live in unbroken fellowship with him. That means if you sin ever again, so unlike you, be weird. In fact, you should react that way. That was weird. That's so weird. So unlike me. See, I say these things, and this is the reaction that tells me I need to keep saying them. It's okay. It's not like I need a rah-rah refest. I'm just, I want to I smell the belief in the room. Ha, Jesus. Hallelujah. It's okay. This stuff takes time. You got to sit with this. You got to consider it. You got to chew on it. You got to meditate on it. You got to go, maybe that's true, and apply it to your life. So that's how you get free, right? Come on, somebody. That's an application of scripture. He says, it says, he is living to God in unbroken fellowship with him. Even so, consider yourselves also dead to sin. Even so, and your relation to it broken. Come on, consider your relation to sin broken. I don't even know you. Sin comes knocking the door. Who are you? Temptation comes. It's not a familiar spirit. Come on, get that crap out of here. It's who the heck are you? I'm so unfamiliar with that spirit. <laughs> I've been hanging out with Winnie Banoff all weekend, all right? I'm just a little bit happy. Oh, she's just full of joy. It's awesome. So this is the reason for our joy, y'all. Jesus broke our relation to sin. He did it all. You didn't do anything. You just said yes to the Lord. And all of a sudden, bang, you don't even know that guy anymore. He's dead. Come on, you go into the baptismal tank with a cross, you come out with a crown. Somebody dies in there. You drown in there. <laughs> I saw a, a post in one of these groups I'm in, uh, and it said recently, it was like, I keep giving graphics to my pastor, but he doesn't like them because it looks like somebody's, like, it reminds him of drowning. I, I wanted to write on there saying, that's the best kind of graphic you could ever have. <laughs> he was like, help me make a better graphic. I'm like, don't change it. <laughs> you know, it's, you, you are drowning somebody. Somebody dies and someone else gets raised to life. Anyone in Christ is a half new creation. The oldest sort of passed away. The newest sort of come. Oh, wait. I don't think that's what it says. Hold on. Let me, let me remember the scripture better. Help me. Help me. What does it say? Anyone in Christ is a new creation. The old has, you know what passed away means, right? Dead. He dead. Look at your neighbor and say, you dead. All right. It's true. Passed away. The new has come it has come wow maybe you need to change the way you think about yourself you're gonna get transfigured somebody start glowing any second now (laughs) i know i'm freaking you out it's okay even so consider yourselves also dead to sin and your relation to it broken you need to turn this stuff into declarations so my relation to sin is broken it's a failed relationship. We broke up. Remember sin used as a noun? I broke up with that guy. I left that chick. It was a terrible relationship. Abusive. Abusive relationship is what it was. Sin abused you. Why do you keep on playing house? Your relation to it is broken. Consider yourself dead to sin and your relation to it broken, but alive to God. Living in unbroken fellowship with him in Christ Jesus. Come on. 
The next time you feel like you're separated from God, say, I live in unbroken fellowship with God according to his word. According to his word, I am in unbroken fellowship with him at all times. Even when I don't pray, even when I don't read my Bible, even when I don't fast, even when I don't pray for the sick, even when I do nothing and I just sit here like a bump on a log on Mondays, I veg out, Netflix can chill, that's what I do, all right? Even when I do that, I'm in unbroken fellowship with Jesus Christ, with the Father. You can't break your fellowship. Let me help those who feel like if they don't do something or if they, I'm helping those who feel like they, if they don't do something, they don't get holier, all right? That's giving you credit for your holiness. Not cool, all right? We're actually, Christ in you is the hope of glory, not you in you. It's no longer you who lives, so you can't get the credit and you can't be the problem. Galatians 2.20, read it a 500 more times, all right? Yeah, Jesus. I can't even, I don't even know when I'm supposed to stop. It's probably now-ish. Amen. <laughs> I didn't write it down today. Let me help those who think that if they do something, then they're no longer in fellowship with Christ. It says in Romans 8, neither height, you know, neither death nor life, angels nor demons, right? Nor any created thing can separate us from the love of God in Christ. Are you a created thing? Are you a created thing? Okay, that means you can't separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. You can't do it. You lose your salvation. You can't, even, you can't gain it. You can't lose it. You can't separate you from the love of God. You ain't that cool. Hallelujah. Say, praise God, I'm not that cool. All right, I'm not that powerful. Come on. No created thing. Are you a creature? Are you a created thing? Yes, you are. Here's the deal. If we don't get this, we will stay bound in our thinking. And we will manifest bondage. Chris Valentin says it this way. Love it. He says, if you believe you're a sinner, you'll sin by faith. You believe you're a sinner, you'll sin by faith. Let's apply our faith that God has done everything necessary to make us pure, holy, flawless in his eyes. And he doesn't need corrective lenses. He sees you properly. He calls you without flaw within. You're without flaw within. I don't act that way. Well, I'm sorry. Your actions don't negate his word. Maybe you should believe his word and you'll see your actions follow. Belief follows thought. It starts with a thought. You understand? The whole creation started with a thought. We are made in his image. He imagined us before he spoke us into being. We're made in the image of God. He imagined us. That chair started in someone's head. You understand? The AC unit started in someone's brain. Thank God. All right? And then they made it happen in the natural. Same thing with salvation. You've got to start in the unseen. You've got to start in your thought life. And you're going to see it. Just try it. Try it. Give me, give me three months. Three months of trying. I am not a sinner. I am a saint. Three months of trying. Try it on. Three months of your life. What is that in the whole span of your life? Could be a waste, could not, could change your whole entire being. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you've heard. For more resources like this, check out trptampa.com.